Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey guys, welcome back to the Agency Advantage Podcast. Today is our seventh episode and I'm pumped to be talking with Moitza Mars all the way from Slovenia. Moitza runs Super Spicy Media, an agency that helps small and large businesses get the results they deserve with social media. She is bold and energetic to say the least, and that personality shines through in this interview and her prolific Twitter account. But even though I know how well social media apps can perform when set up correctly, I was still a bit skeptical about using Twitter and Facebook to organically get new clients. Moitza explains not only how she did just that, and how you can too, but also the mistakes to avoid along the way, and how all this creates a dynamic where her clients want to work with her and only her. If you're tired of pitching and want clients to start coming to you instead of the other way around, then you need to listen to this episode. So without further ado, here's Moitza. All right, so hey Moitza, thanks for joining me. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. For the listeners who haven't heard of you or haven't heard of any of your stuff, you have kind of an interesting story. Usually the kind of cliche entrepreneurial story is dropped out of college, quit their job, and then started their own project. But for you, it was a little different. You you dropped out of college, but you were fired from your last job. Is that right? <laughs> That's definitely right. So yeah. uh, like I said, my story is not like a conventional one. Uh, it's definitely not the most special, but I shouldn't try to blend in with the, with the others. Uh, so I was studying media communications, actually, for two to three years, I think. And then I dropped out of college because I just didn't see a point anymore because the things I was studying there were outdated and I learned so much from more from the internet, but they just didn't understand that. So first of all, I wanted to be a journalist. Actually, I already had some years of experience in working for local and national newspapers and media outlets, but that soon got so boring. <laughs> uh, so I tried something different. I went working for an advertising agency, but after spending a year and a, and a half, I think there, uh, I was just so consumed by the feeling of I don't know, the personal regression there. So they also weren't keeping up with the rest of the technology uh, because they were more of a traditional advertising agency. You know, the TV ads, radio ads. Uh, so we actually stopped getting along and I soon got fired. Um, <laughs> and that was a bummer. So uh, the jobs I had brought me great experience, but there was, I think, like one thing missing in each and every one of them. Um, and that was the ability to be in control of every aspect of the business. So I pretty much had no other choice than to do something of my own. And I didn't think twice about it, uh, but I just, you know, dived right in, got to work. And that was, I think, the best decision ever for myself. I doubled my income after one year uh, in business and doubled it again in six months and um, pretty much didn't look back ever since. Well, congrats on that. Thank you. When you were let go, you said, yeah, you couldn't see working with someone else again. You want to have total control. How did you go from traditional advertising to social media? Or is that where you first went? Or what was that process like? I was trying to do some social media at the advertising agency I was working at. But they just kind of, here's an interesting fact. They told me, and that was like 
that was a few years ago, but they told me, yeah, you know, Facebook is just going to kind of fall apart and uh, be done with everything in a matter of a few months. And I was like, what are you talking about? So they didn't really believe in social media advertising, but I was already working with some uh, friends of mine who had an uh, e-commerce stores and the results I got were pretty amazing. So I actually got hooked pretty quickly. Um, so when I got fired from the job, I knew what I wanted to do because I found social media so interesting because there was always, I always saw an opportunity to get better. So, you know, social media was just kind of, I started with social media. I didn't even try to go traditional advertising agency way or anything, but just social media was the right way from the get go. And was that something that you saw at the, at the jobs you had had that you said, there's always something new to learn, always something new to try. Was that something that was lacking in those jobs? Were you not really being pushed at all or what, what was it? Oh, yeah. I think, uh, first of all, I started noticing when I was at the advertising agency that uh, clients from that advertising agency, they wanted to do social media. But first of all, advertising agency agencies didn't see a potential there. I mean, or they didn't know how to tackle social media, but I knew how to tackle social media. And when we got amazing results um, with my efforts, you know, with the clients, I was personally working for not within the advertising agency, but I was working with them myself. And I saw like a great potential because when we got that amazing result, there was always just a way to get those results even better if you knew what to do with social media. And uh, that was like, you know, I saw a big opportunity there and just went with it. (laughs) Nice. And so, so, all right, so you go out on your own and at the start, was it where the clients just flocking to you or I'm oh. guessing there was some work that you had to go in to get some of those first clients. Can oh. you talk about that? Oh yeah. Well, um, first of all, it was very hard to find my first clients because I had, uh, first of all, I had to go overcome my age because when I went on my own, I was 21 or 22 years old, which was, you know, is it's very young for someone to be pursuing his own path in our country. I think the U S I don't know. You tell me, I think the U S is more open to this. Um, it, a lot of it depends on kind of the the industry, also the location. If you were in San Francisco and you were a nineteen year old going out on their own, it probably wouldn't be a big deal. But if you were in finance in New York City, it might be a little different. But it's and so just so also so the listeners know, you're in Slovenia, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Slovenia. People here, prospects here, didn't take me seriously because of my young age. So I had to prove myself all the time and generate pretty outstanding results with my clients to prove my point that age doesn't matter. And the second biggest challenge I had was just to get the word across about me because I didn't want to just work with local companies, but wanted to expand my business beyond the country borders. So thankfully, we have all this technology that helps us achieve that. Uh, and I did that by just, you know, being brave and thinking, hell, I have nothing to lose here and just reaching out to people, connecting with them and helping them. So that's how I found my first clients. But my first clients came with cold emailing. I heard that that was like the fastest way to get, get clients and I needed something to work fast because I just lost my job. Right. <laughs> uh, but the clients I got from cold emailing were like, weren't the best ones, to be honest, because my fees were lower at the beginning, which also played a big role in just um, creating a perception of cheap workforce for my clients. Um, so I knew I needed to change something. So uh, I did what I do best and I turned to social media for help. 
<laughs> so I started building my authority on Twitter and engaging with people I admired. And I searched for people that were in need of social media help. And I was trying to genuinely help people. And what happened, people recognized that and they saw what I have to offer. They saw that I'm especially when it, a specialist when it comes to social media. And I consequently got a lot of prospects from Twitter. And those clients were way better. And I was suddenly in a different position where the people came to me for help and not the other way around. So that was something I, I still continue to do now. But the first clients came from cold emailing, but then I switched everything to social media. Right. And so that's something that I haven't, and I'm sure a lot of listeners haven't heard much about either, is that you hear a, a ton about cold emailing, cold calling, kind of the more traditional ways of getting clients. And as an agency owner, I don't think many people think of social media as a way of getting clients. And so you said you identified some influencers and you reached out and built relationships. How did that work? Like who, what sort of things were you looking for in identifying the people to interact with? Well, first of all, I was following some of the people I admire, like Brandon is, I, I constantly point him out. <laughs> He's going to hate me for that. But Brandon is like the, the one guy that I was trying to really engage with, but not in a not in an unusual way or a freakishly way, but I was just trying to genuinely talk with him and just engage with the content um, that I found, I don't know, helpful or interesting or anything like that. So after just engaging with them, tweeting with them, exchanging tweets back and forth, um, he contacted me that he wants to work with me. He wants to work with uh, on his social media presence. And we actually started, you know, talking about that. And later he actually invited me to come to the U.S. to speak at W Freelancing Conference that he, he was organizing. And that was, that was just because I started following him on Twitter and just genuinely tried to engage with him, not in a forceful way, but in a kind of natural Twitter-ish way. To go a little deeper there, like when you say engage, is, honestly, like, I suck at Twitter. Like I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really get it that much. Like I, I go on and I'll follow people and like read what's going on. But like how, when you say you engage with him, like what types of things were you saying? What were you, how were you saying them? So uh, first of all, when he tweeted out like a new blog post, I, uh, he, he wrote or anything, I would just comment that I love this blog post. I love this and this about it. Uh, or when he would tweet a personal opinion and I found interesting and I, I saw that I can contribute to that tweet. I just replied him, uh, replied back to him in my way. I, I didn't like try to be professional or anything. I was just being me, um, and being really kind of just being human and person. I think that like brought me a long way. So yeah. Okay. And so, so you started engaging with people, especially with Brennan and that paid off. How about for other clients? How, what was the process like for getting other clients with social media? Was it, a similar thing where you'd identify specific people to engage with and you'd go from there or was there more of a kind of defined process to it? Yeah. So here's an interesting story. I actually used Twitter search for that. So I went out searching for people that need help with social media. Um, and I used like specific keywords like social media help. Um, I don't know, problem, whatever. Uh, so those keywords brought me out, kind of showed me people that are in need of social media help. And that may be just, you know, I can give them just one tip and establish myself as an authority, but they will remember me. So when they will get stuck again on social media, they will remember, oh, she helped me with that problem. I can contact her again on Twitter and ask her another question. Or maybe I can kind of reach out to her and ask her if she would work with me. So that was one thing I did. And I did get clients from that. Uh, and another thing that happened when I did that 
when other people visited my Twitter profile, they saw the amount of people I'm helping with their social media questions. And they kind of started getting me like an authority in that um, business. So in social media, and I think that paid off pretty well because when people got to my, when they checked out my Twitter profile, they saw, oh, she's helping so many people. Let me check out her webpage. They checked out my webpage, check what I'm offering and just contacted me through an email or anything like that. Hey, I saw that you are a social media specialist. Can you help me? I need help with my social media. Okay. So it kind of almost had like the more, even the people outside of people you're helping, it had more of an organic impact on yeah. people just stumbling across your profile yeah. too. Yeah. And so as an outsider, someone who doesn't do much with Twitter, like this seems like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing at the start, you spent more time with this, but like today, how much time are you spending on social media every day for, for yourself, not for your clients? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I like Twitter a lot. I might be a bit uh, obsessed with it, actually. So I think I spend like an hour a day because I'm still. Oh, that's not bad though. Yeah, it's not. It's not that bad, but it's. I I could still do better, but but I just love engaging with people. I'm I'm actually very addicted to it. So the first thing I do in the morning is like I don't know if I check my email first, but I check my Twitter <laughs> feed first. Um, so I think it's like one hour per day. From the way you described it, like in my head, I thought it would be constantly monitoring it, like an all day type of thing. So that's not too bad. Do you think your, your personality plays into why you connect so well with social media? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think everyone should kind of put out their personality a bit more because that works magic on social media. Right. I feel like that's a mistake, not just agencies, but most businesses in general make with social media is that they, try to be too professional, I guess you could say, is that they, they use a lot of corporate jargon. They say things that don't really mean anything. And, and you're right that you need for social media to work. You need to show your human side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's actually why clients choose me instead of other social media consultants. It's because of my personality. And I think, like I said, that works actually magic on social media. And I don't know why more people aren't doing that. And another perspective might be, does this still work for people who don't really aren't comfortable kind of putting themselves out there on the internet? Well, I know that some people aren't, like you said, comfortable doing that, but um, you just have to be aware of the consequences if you take that decision of not putting yourself out first. Uh, because if you're an independent consultant or freelancer or maybe an, even an agency owner, I, I think you're still the face of the business. I mean, but if you're not comfortable, I don't think you should put yourself out, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Are there any ways around that? Like if, say, one of your clients is running a small agency and the owner doesn't really, just for whatever reason, doesn't want to put themselves out there, is there a way you can still interject some personality into it without having them be the face of it all? Yeah, sure. I mean... I always try to tell them to, I don't know, um, put photos of their employees or put photos of their customers on. So I had a client that again was a bit, was actually a big corporation. So they didn't have like the one face of the business, but we needed to humanize their social media, um, just persona. Um, and what we did was we actually, put out pictures of our customers and describe their story. And that was the step in humanization humanization of social media that we took. And it wasn't just 
taking one, I don't know, man or woman from that company, but taking customers. And actually it worked again. It worked magically because, you know, people were starting to get interested in, uh, in the company and everything. Okay. You know, that, that makes sense to kind of coming from that angle of having, you're still showing that people are involved. It doesn't necessarily have to be you, but I do agree that if you're probably an independent consultant or freelancer, it is more important to kind of accept that you might have to be the face of it for that. It works really well because like, if I tell you, here's the, here's an example. I generated 300% ROI from my Facebook ads when I was promoting my book because I was the face of the business. Uh, because there's that personal connection that comes with being the face of the business that you won't get otherwise. So I actually tested two different ads, uh, with my, when I was promoting my book. And one of it was a picture of, I don't know, it was like fancy design and everything. And the second one was, my face. <laughs> and that, that picture of my face overperforms in a way that I couldn't imagine. Just, you know, like I said, it works magic on social media. So if your listeners have the opportunity to do that, and if they're not, of course, you may feel a little bit un- uncomfortable, but if it's not like a big, big deal, I think you should do it. Right. Just kind of, if, you, if you're not wanting to lock yourself in a room over it, just kind of get over it and, and deal with it and, and look at the results and see from there. Yeah. But so let's dig in a little bit to what you were just talking about. So how does do Facebook ads and Twitter ads, how does that play into what you do day to day? For myself or for my clients? Um, I guess actually, yeah, we'll get to what you're working on with your clients. Is is it a big component? Is the advertising aspect a big component of the work you do? I, I need to talk to a lot of companies to get them towards using Facebook ads or Twitter ads because they're still kind of reserved to it. At first, they don't feel comfortable doing that because they're in a traditional advertising mindset and they think they are going to spend tons of money to generate like n- no results whatsoever. So I need to talk to them and just convince them that this is digital advertising and they're working with me. So I'm going to make sure that we don't spend a lot of money for zero results. Uh, and when I talk to them about this, they feel a little bit more comfortable and I can push them towards uh, using Facebook ads and Twitter ads. But still with the majority uh, of my clients, I just work with for an or, or just organic social media. So Facebook management, Twitter management. But um, more and more people are, you know, leaning towards paid advertising as well. And I'm very happy to see that because it's it's just so cheap and you can achieve great results if you know what you're doing. Yeah, and so then we'll, we'll step back and in because I know in your own business for for Super Spicy Media you do a lot of advertising with that. So can you talk about how that incorporates into your whole kind of funnel? I started with promoting my blog post and I got subscribers from that. Uh, and the second thing I tried was I have a productized offering. So I have Super Spicy Sessions, which is like one one engagement, uh, and this is like a consulting call. Fixed price, fixed scope, and when we finish the work, you know, that's it. So, uh, when I launched Super Spicy Sessions, we, I tried advertising them and it, again, it worked magic because I was putting my face out there, um, to the people and it was, it was a great service actually. And I got, you know, the, the Super Spicy Sessions were sold out the first and the second month, but then I just kind of, I got, uh, just some other work that I needed to get done with and just stopped doing that. I did a lot of Facebook advertising for my book. And that was actually amazing too. Like I said, I generated 300% of ROI with just targeting my, my email subscribers, which is another great thing to target on Facebook. And that actually, again, brought me great results. And, um, I try to do, 
a lot of Facebook advertising, but sometimes I think if you want a constant stream of great results, you have to keep optimizing them. And I sometimes, you know, just don't have the time to do that. So I'm trying to take the time to do that um, more and more. Right. And I think that's different than a lot of other advertising mediums. Like with AdWords, for the most part, once you have a winning campaign, you can kind of set it and forget it and it'll still perform. But with Facebook, I guess for the easy way to put it is for search, you're having different people are constantly searching for things. Once they get an answer, they're not going to keep searching. But on Facebook, you're showing the same people the same ad again and again. So you need to mix it up to stay relevant. Yeah, because people get really bored with the same ads. If if they come to Facebook on Facebook and they see, I don't know, the same ad three days uh, in a row, they'll get bored with it and they might even report you on being uninteresting and Facebook will lower your reach and the results will be just, uh, you know, losing a ton of money, not getting results. Um, so, you know, you, you have to keep optimizing them um, if you want to generate just great results. To go back a little bit, I like the there's so many articles out there about Facebook ads are dead, Facebook ads don't work, this and that. I'm sure you've and I'm sure that's probably plays into why some of the clients are hesitant to work with it. All right, everyone goes to Facebook and Twitter to get away from business, to get away from this. So how would you advertise your sessions? Like how would you advertise that in a way that actually would work? Uh, First of all, I would target the right audience. So I always try with my personal audience first. So I upload my email list to Facebook and advertise to the people that already know me because they are more likely to buy from me, to buy my book, to buy, I don't know, any service I have because they're familiar with me. Uh, And the second of all, I think what most of the people that write those kind of articles do is uh, they are being overly promotional on Facebook. They just try to close too quickly. They're not trying to create just a relationship with user and they're just pushing themselves out there, trying to sell too quickly, not giving enough value or not communicating the value. Just, I don't know, posting pictures with sale written all over, uh, all over the picture. And I think that's not the right approach. So how I would tackle that, first of all, I would, the audience is really important. If you don't know how to do great targeting, if you don't know who your audience actually is, you're on a bad way, you know, with Facebook ads and you can spend a lot of money not getting any results uh, at all. And the second of all, just not being too promotional. And um, one thing I would advise to your listeners is, I think this is like a great, uh, Brandon Dunn did that, I think. Um, and I'm about to do that as well. So what he did was he offered something for free on Facebook. So he was actually linking to his uh, landing page for his free email course. So when people opted in for that, he later sold them um, his products through that free email course later on. Uh, so that's actually a great approach uh, as well. If you're targeting to an audience that doesn't exactly know you, because those that audience is not going to buy something from you in a matter of seconds. So You're right. Exactly right. A lot of companies, software companies, service companies, anything, they'll start with a cold audience that doesn't know them put up an ad for a free trial, put up an ad for a consulting session, and then wonder why no one buys it. And so if you can build that trust a little bit at first, either by giving something away from free or promoting a blog post and then get them in your ecosystem, you're able to build up trust slowly so that you can kind of work with them to on a smaller engagement first. And so for the super spicy sessions, 
when someone does one of those with you, it's is that like a full kind of it's a one hour session where you can you explain what happens in those? Yeah, sure. So what actually happens is they contact me. I take, you know, all of the information they provide me with, they prepay me. Uh, so they do a prepayment. And uh, then what I do is I actually examine their social media presence before the actual call happens. So I come, I have my homework ready <laughs> when we have the actual call. And then I told, I tell them, first of all, what's wrong, what, why social media isn't working for them. And second of all, what they can improve that they'll, they'll start generating results as soon as possible because Social media is definitely a marathon. So you'll, you won't get results like in a matter of days with just organic, doing organic things. Still, we don't have, some companies don't have like years of time to start generating great results. So I, what I try to tell them is what you can implement today and you'll see the results of that efforts maybe in a matter, you know, in a month or so. So it's actually just kind of pinpointing the things that they are doing wrong and um, just doing changes throughout their social media presence um, to improve their results on social media. Okay. And so they'll, do they get some sort of report at the end Definitely. of it? Where they, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, that's very important because then they have a report that they can come back to every time they get stuck. Um, and yeah, definitely report. <laughs> do many of those clients go to you to implement those changes or how yeah. does that work? Is that something you offer? Yeah, definitely. And that's the interesting part. Um, I've had clients coming back to me and say, okay, I see that your things work because I've tried implementing them and we got great results, but we don't have the time to keep, keep improving that and we want your help. So that's the magic of the super spicy sessions. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's kind of like a low cost, low yep. risk way to, for them to see what they can expect by working yep, from definitely. you. Definitely. Every business is different. Every agency is going to have different needs. Every customer will have different issues. But what are some of the big mistakes that you see regularly when people come to you for the sessions? First and probably the most frequent one is, I think we already touched on that subject a little bit, but being overly promotional. Um, so um, people are sick of companies that are overly promotional. A lot of companies are still doing that. And like I said, they're trying to sell too quickly. They're trying to close the deal too quickly. So they don't create that relationship with their fan or their Twitter follower and they just try to sell them. Um, and that's like, I think that's like the number one thing they are doing wrong and most of them are doing. And the second thing is a lot of companies are, um, are not respecting Facebook policies. Like an example, if you post a photo to Facebook and then in the text description, it, it, you, po uh, you paste a link there, Facebook is going to lower your reach because they want their links to be shown with the image they provide, you know, am I, I don't know if I'm explaining that well. Yeah, no, no, I think I get it. Yeah. yeah. So if you do that, Facebook will lower your reach, right? And people don't know that and they still keep doing that. Um, so just, could you, just for people that might not be familiar, can you explain what the, what the reach is, what that means? They are going to lower your organic reach. So what organic reach is, you have a number of fans and when you post an update to your uh, Facebook page, that update is going to reach a certain amount of people and they're still working on that algorithm. So if the content is interesting enough, so if the people are going to engage with the content in early stages of it, you're going to get better reach. If Facebook finds that, finds out that your company is not interesting because people are not engaging with them, uh, with that 
And if you're not respecting their policies, they are going to lower your reach. Um, and again, if you're not respecting their policies, they're going to lower your page rank as well, which means that your page is not going to show up as high on the newsfeed as it could. It'll just be down the newsfeed um, and people aren't going to get to it. Yeah, because that's, that's one thing I think a lot of businesses who try, they try to work with Facebook, but they don't fully understand it. They'll say like, all right, we have, we've built this audience of thousands of people who like our page. And so we just keep pushing out content and they're all going to see it, but it's not that simple. Yeah. And this is what I'm trying to teach my clients. I want them to understand Facebook. I want them to understand what's going behind the curtains, you know, not just do this, do that, but I want to understand, uh, I want to explain them why we are doing that on Facebook so they know in the future if they are going to tackle that problem themselves, they will know what we were doing and why we were doing it. I know there's a bunch of tools out there like Buffer, Edgar, all those. Is this something that can just be automated? No. <laughs> <laughs> why not? This is going to be a short question. Oh, um, automation is taking yourself out of the equation and people notice that. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk had this he posted this great video on um on on Twitter recently and he was saying that you cannot outsource human interaction and i actually replied them and you can't automate it either and he actually replied me with a video saying yeah and he was shocked by how many companies are still doing that um and yeah you can't automate it so like i said it takes you out of the equation and people will notice that nobody wants to talk with a robot um yeah <laughs> just know <And> so <laughs> Right. And so is that something, is it a hundred percent manual for you or do you still use some automation? Yeah. How do you balance Yeah. That? I wanted to mention that. So I do, I think 90 or 95% of my tweets are not automated. Uh, but five, five percent of them are. So, but the only content I automate are my blog posts. Um, so I just schedule them throughout the week. And that's it. That's the only content that I automate. And even that, I'm not doing that every time. But just when I don't have the time to go be, go on Twitter and do things, that's when I will be automating. But on other, the vast majority of tweets you see from me, they're written with these two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it. I'm really not that great with social media. So after this short word from our sponsor, I'm going to ask Moitz a question I've been dying to hear the answer to. What do you actually do on Twitter? So hang tight and we'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without all the crazy fees, where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, let's get back to Moitza. This is 
a bit off topic, but but you made me you made me think about this and like the things that are easy to automate. And I think the reason why a lot of companies might automate most of what they do with Twitter is because they hear you're supposed to share content. So they'll find some good articles and schedule them up and have them go out once a day or whatever they figure out. But people aren't sure what else they should be doing on Twitter. Like, and this is my issue too. It's like, do I just post what I'm thinking? Like, how, do, how will these different tweets, these different thoughts help me be established as an expert? Uh, first of all, um, I think what people are not doing and they should be doing is just provide value in 140 characters. So 140 characters is not, uh, is not like a small investment. I mean, you can, you can tell a lot in 140 characters and you can provide value in 140 characters. So I don't know what, why people are not doing that. So they're just trying to promote value, uh, just with, tr- uh, posting links to blog posts. But that's like that blog post is another click away. Why don't you provide that value in 140 characters? And just building a personal brand is important on Twitter as well. So like you said, posting what you think it could be very, very valuable. And that actually, like I said, that brought me great results myself because I posted my own feelings, thoughts, um, just personal opinion on things that matter. And um, people were looking at me differently. And I established my personal brand because of it. And because of it, people wanted to work with me, not just with any social media manager. So if I'm thinking about that, if I want to establish a personal brand, does that mean I need to take a picture in a dinosaur one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I, but no, it's like, what was your thought process like before that, or was it, was there not a thought process? You just you just got this cool onesie, you want to share it, or what was that like? Was that just you being genuinely you? It was me being genuinely me. I have like, I don't try to tie my own hands when it comes to tweeting, so I'm not I'm not being reserved when it comes to tweeting. I'm just posting what I think, and if that's me in a dinosaur onesie, sure, why not? <laughs> so I just do. Um, it, this is going to sound funny, but I just do what I want to do. I don't, I'm a consultant, so I can do whatever I want to do, right? <laughs> exactly, right. And so I think that's probably like my sticking point. I'm assuming that's a sticking point with a lot of other agency owners, a lot of other consultants and whoever is that they overthink everything. And like I, if I just have Twitter open, I'm like, all right, like I have nothing to say. Like what do I t- say? How do I work with this? So if if you're working with a client and they, are having some of these, I guess, writer's block issues. How would you work with them to overcome that? I just tell them if, when it comes, like when it comes to Twitter. Twitter is very high traffic, so they can tweet something out, and if it's a total nonsense, it'll like pass really quickly in users' news feeds. So I think um, I just try to tell them that and communicate that that um, it's just so high traffic, and people forget the tweets they see like in a few hours probably so just i don't think the writer's block should be there right so it's, it's, you're saying it's not as much of a, a risk i shouldn't care because no one else is going to remember it if it if it doesn't get any engagement it's going to disappear Definitely. pretty quickly yeah. anyway yeah okay and so when you're working with clients are you writing tweets and like how deep down into it do you get are you mainly doing strategy or I'm writing tweets for them uh, most of the time because they don't know how to tackle that themselves. To be honest, Mm -hmm. they don't know how to write tweets, how to write Facebook, uh, Facebook updates. So I just, I just do everything for them. 
I actually create different packages because um, when client comes to me, um, I, I have like a ton of different clients. So each client has different needs. Um, and I actually create different packages, but the vast majority of my clients just take the whole package and ask me, please, Moita, write tweets for me and my Facebook updates and create images. And <laughs> so what, what is the whole package? Can you, can you explain what goes into that? Oh yeah, sure. So the whole package is, um, just doing like Facebook management for them. So like I said, I write Facebook posts for them. I do pictures for them. I design Facebook visuals for them. I do their tweets. I reply uh, to tweets. Um, I do Facebook, uh, Twitter imagery. Uh, I do Instagram management, taking pictures myself. Um, and just if they want Facebook ads, Twitter ads, um, whatever they need. So that's like, that's like the whole package that I offer, but everything starts as a strategy. I'm not like just jumping right into the action, but I'm first creating a strategy and then creating tweets, Facebook updates and everything else. So when you first started consulting, did you still do these strategy sessions or did you no. try to jump right in or how did it work? I actually, when I first started out, I was just, um, I, what I'm trying to do now is first sell them super spicy sessions, which is just kind of walking through their social media, telling them what's wrong, what isn't wrong. Um, and then if they are interested, we can get to the higher value engagement um, or cooperation, whatever you want to call it. Um, that is just a monthly retainer and we do each month we do a strategy we uh do facebook updates twitter updates whatever um but when i started out i wasn't doing any social um super spicy sessions so i was just they contacted me i said look here are three different packages what i think you need um i would prove i think you need the option b for example um because of this 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 um and then we signed um a contract and did a monthly retainer immediately after and so do you think having forcing those strategy sessions before you kind of prescribe any solution has made it easier to sell them on those engagements yes yes because they can see what they're doing wrong i mean and they they get the feeling what it's like to be working with me it's not like when i do that they know what i'm like they know what my processes are but if we don't do that they're like they don't know if they're shooting blanks. I mean, they don't know if that is going to be successful or cooperation. So um, that really helped me, actually, just to show people what's it like to be working with me. Okay. And another thing I kind of want to talk about about your process is that you said there's a major difference between with cold email, you were going to your prospects, you were going to them and basically pitching them. And now with what you're doing with social media, they're coming to you. How does that make the dynamic between uh, consultant and client different? How has that made it easier, better? What has it changed? Well, it actually, this created the unique advantage I can leverage all over again, uh, over and over again. So people want to work with me because of my personality, my personal brand um, on Twitter. They reach out on Twitter because of that. Uh, and because um, I'm not just bringing tangible results, but they see that I'm fun to work with because they see my unique personality. Like you mentioned, I wear a dinosaur onesie. <laughs> I challenge the status quo. I'm a bit different. Um, and that's just helping me. I don't know. I have just this unique advantage to it. And to be honest, I can charge a little bit higher because they want to work with me because of me and not just with 
any other social media consultant there is. Um, so yeah, when I had several times happen this to me, uh, but actually they contacted me, um, saying, Hey, I want to work with you. I saw you on Twitter, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I told them, sorry, I'm fully booked, but here's a colleague of mine. He's a social media manager, a great one. You can work with him. And they were like, no, no, no. What, what can we do? We want to work with you. And that's actually, like I said, that, that's a unique advantage you can have. Right. No, and that's a, that's a good problem to have is where you're full, you're booked, but people still, they say, no, I want, I want to work with you. And I think that comes from established shelf as an authority, but most people assume, all right, I, I become an authority by, I need a blog more. I need to just keep writing a blog post, show what I learned. But I think your approach by incorporating social media helps kind of humanize yourself. It helps show the personality, which also as you've seen, has made people want to work specifically with you on top of the authority reasons. Yeah, and because if you just write blog posts, I mean, let's dive into that a little bit deeper. If you if you write blog posts and people come to read those blog posts, if you if you're lucky enough, because you know, let's be honest, it's hard to promote a blog post and get people on it. When you read a blog post, you kind of get that feeling that the author of that blog post is maybe a little bit off limits perhaps. But when you do like Twitter outreach and when you, when they see that you're act, actively communicating with different people, you're now more approachable. And that what, that's what happened to me. So I was just more approachable and people kept writing to me. Um, and I established my authority in that way. That's interesting. I actually hadn't thought about that because you are right. Like when I, for getting for guests on the podcast and for just reaching out to people for advice, I usually have done it over email because that's just how I usually work. But you're right in that it, it is a little bit intimidating. You kind of worry about like, oh, am I going to be annoying this person in the snap? But with social media, you are right. If if I look at your 27,000 tweets and see all your replies and everything, I see that, no, you just talk to any and everybody for the most part. And so I wouldn't be as concerned about reaching out. I really hadn't thought about that. Yeah, and I was actually this is this is an interesting story. I was actually uh, on another podcast a few few weeks ago, and I was after the podcast, I was starting to get all these tweets, and I was so nervous because I wanted to reply to all of them because <laughs> I don't want to I want don't I don't want to people to think that I'm off limits that I won't communicate with them. I want to communicate with everybody. <laughs> I mean, your business has grown tremendously over the past couple of years, said doubling twice. Is there going to be a point where you don't think you'll be able to be as personal? Uh, I hope not. Um, and my big inspiration for that is actually Gary Vaynerchuk again. Um, he does, he doesn't outsource his Twitter. So he does everything by himself. And I actually got a reply from him more than one time. I mean, he, he replies to a lot of the comments he gets on Twitter. Um, so if, I mean, if he can manage it, I will. <laughs> <laughs> No, I guess that's a good point. And it's from an outsider, it's impressive. Like I don't know how he could he could possibly do that. But yeah, I just saw where he, yeah he replied with videos to you. Yeah, yeah, and that that was that was actually amazing. And it didn't he didn't reply just to me, but to to many people actually. And he's he when he tweets something out, of course he'll get tons of replies back. But he always tries to reply to a lot to as many people as he can. And he's just my big inspiration for that. And I don't have an excuse why I wouldn't reply to all of my tweets. <laughs> I guess it's a fair point. Yeah. Honestly, like looking over all of your tweets, it, it still is 
intimidating to, to me and I'm sure to a lot of agency owners to get started. So like if you were to work with someone, if you were to have a one of your sessions with, say me, I'm running a digital agency. We have maybe five employees. Typically, we've grown through word of mouth, some cold email. We want to look at social media. I want to get started with Twitter, but I'm worried. What would be like a first step you would suggest for me to to do? How would I get started on that process? I would suggest, first of all, that you take the barrier you have with social media down and just be yourself. I think Twitter is is definitely, when you take the barrier down, it's not intimidating anymore because everyone's really personal on Twitter and there's like no weird things that can happen on Twitter. Uh, so I just, I would just advise to take the barrier down and be yourself and try to humanize yourself on Twitter a little bit more with posting photos, posting some interesting thoughts or opinions you might have um, and just like I said, promoting your personal brand and your uh, the personality of a uh, personality of your brand, um, co- just communicate that a little bit more. And like I said, again, take the barrier that you have in your mind down. You're right. I, th- I think that makes sense. Is that people they just write social media off. They don't want to mess with it. And when they think about that, they don't know where to begin. But it's almost simple advice of saying just move on and, and just start just do something try and see how it works it, it, yeah this will sound yeah just do it you know <laughs> it's it, it everything comes to that i mean like I, you mentioned it before they overthink everything but if if they say just i'm i'm going to post to twitter what i actually think right now about i don't know my business or that business that i just saw or that person or whatever if they take that barrier down magic is going to happen for super spicy media, you got you said you doubled your first year and then you doubled again six months after that. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. How are you going to keep scaling when there's so much that you so much hands on stuff you have to do? Uh, to be honest, what I'm currently doing is I'm raising my rates uh, on the go, um, so um, I want to be able to cherry pick my clients and I don't want to scale. I'm a control freak and I don't want to hire more people or anything like that. I want to be a I'm, I'm fine being a solo consultant, actually. Um, so I just want to be able to cherry pick my clients to have higher rates to provide value for that rates. And like I said, just cherry pick my clients. But what I'm actually trying to do is, um, launching more products because, um, it just felt so good launching that first book. Uh, and I want to do more of that. So just doing two things. First products, but then uh, the second thing is cherry pick my, my clients and working with them on social media. Okay, so we'll get to your book in a second, but to to go a little further with what you just said, if you're like so many other agency owners who do similar things, as soon as they start getting more and more clients and have a reliable way of getting them in, they'll hire out each of the different parts of the business. You said you're writing the tweets, taking the pictures, doing all of that. Each of those steps someone would hire for it, and, and for you, that's just you wanna you wanna do all of that. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a control I'm a control freak, and I. I'm responsible for the results my clients get. Um, and I don't want to outsource that. I want, I want to be taken responsible if I do something wrong. And I also want to be taken responsible if I do something right and if I provide amazing results. So I just want to keep that, um, keep that in mind when I keep expanding my business. Well, that's probably also another advantage for you when talking to clients because you can say, Hey, I'm going to be the one doing all of this. It's not my team. It's not someone who you've never met and you don't know doing this. It's me. You hired me for me. 
and I'll be the one working with you. So I, I can see that as being like a, an advantage as well. Exactly. And a financial, a financial advantage as well, because they're willing to pay a bit higher, you know, higher prices to be working with me, you know, not, mm-hmm. not with some people I outsourced. Right. No, and that makes sense. And so it does seem like for a solo consultancy, a solo practice like that, that the best way to scale is one, but obviously by raising your rates, but you can only work so many hours. You can only charge so much eventually. But so with products helps with that. And so you said you just launched your first product. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, I actually launched my first product. Um, and this was a product, <laughs> product in the making. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, um, I was playing with the idea for a long, long time. And I actually started writing another book a year ago, but never finished it. So this was like when I, when I decided I'm going to write a book about Facebook ads, this is it. I set out a deadline and I tried to fulfill it. I missed it a little bit, but never mind. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the book is called Facebook Ads Manual, Everything You Need to Know to Get Started. Um, And it was actually my first book uh, and it helps me establish my authority even more. It was actually awesome. Um, The results I got were pretty amazing. And, um, I established, I definitely established my authority and get the word going with just, you know, providing value to the people, um, helping them create their first campaign and, um, just c- connecting with all these people. And I'm getting so many emails nowadays just from the readers that are, first of all, thanking me, um, you know, for the value I provided to them, to them. And, um, second of all, asking me a bunch of questions, um, just how to, how they can implement that themselves um and yeah so it's been it's been actually amazing well that's awesome that must have been a good feeling for kind of your first product to have oh, yeah. such good response yeah it was uh i'm so thankful because i was so i was actually so scared uh but i think i tweeted the other the other day that uh going to the dentist is actually scarier than launching a book so <laughs> i really advise people launching a book <laughs> It's funny because my girlfriend actually is a dentist, and oh. so it's, it's even scarier going to her because, like, I can't, I can't pull the old like uh, when they ask how often you floss, like, I can't really lie. Like, she knows I don't really floss, so that can be scary in itself. I'm going to the dentist tomorrow, so I'm I'm a bit nervous right now. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you have a few ideas for other products. Like, what do you see as the future for Super Spicy Media on that side of it? Um, yeah, so um, I want to I want to do more books. Um, that's actually the first thing I wanted, not more, not more books, but maybe more products. So I'm working on a few, um, uh, PDFs, short PDFs and books. Uh, and I'm trying to, um, get, um, my feet into mentoring a little bit more because I know that people have been, have been emailing me if I'm offering that, if I'm offering coaching and, I'm not offering it currently, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just actively doing on that. And I think that is like just another maybe productized service that I can have. But as far as products, products go, I'm just trying to, to do more, um, more books, just writing more books, um, creating PDFs, just creating value for all, all the people that I can help. I'm trying to, in my head, I'm trying to imagine what your daily schedule looks like with all the different things you're working on. Like, what is a day in the life of Moitza like? Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's actually, I have, I have a very strict routine I like to follow because, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm very routinely person. Uh, so I actually wake up in around, I think it's around 7 a.m. and I take my dog for a walk. I make breakfast, coffee. Um, and then I used to read for an hour, uh, in the morning, but, now I've been swamped with work, so I just get right to work. But um, I do the emails first and tweets, uh, tweets first, but then emails. <laughs> and then I actually get my ass to the gym. 
Um, so I do, I work out five times a week. Um, and I take that seriously. I, I do not skip my workout. So I go, I go to the gym, work out a little bit more. Um, and, uh, then, um, I just cook my lunch and then, you know, the real work, um, just starts. Um, I think it's like around 2 p.m. when I'm behind my computer again and I'm just, you know, getting the real work started. So I actually do the emails, um, email courses, I don't know, client work, of course, um, just products, uh, I don't know, everything. Um, yeah, so it, it, when it becomes overwhelming, I go out. Um, just for a one hour walk with my dog, um, because that helps me just clear my mind, clear my thoughts a little bit. Um, and then actually I get, um, get back again and I just get back to work. And I, I work, I think to about maybe 10 or 11 PM and then we'll read for an hour and go to sleep. And then repeat it all over. And again, repeat it all over again. And I, <laughs> and I like my routine so much, you know, I, I get stressed if the routine is not there. <laughs> With how fast you've grown, if you don't you don't get to that point by by not taking your work seriously, by not building a routine, and by not kind of being having dedication to that. Yeah, and what I do actually is I schedule my I schedule my tasks in my i calendar, and I schedule them one day before. So you know, today when the clock will hit 10 p.m., I'm going to schedule all of my tasks for tomorrow, so I know what I'll be working on um, tomorrow. So I have that process already there. I just execute it, um, and I think that helps me a lot, actually. Well, so I'm guessing that almost takes some of the the willpower out of it because it's it's just show popping up and saying, like, all right, this is what I'm doing. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to weigh different options. Like that's just what you're going to be doing. I actually established that process before reading this book, but I actually um I actually read the book Power of Habit. Um it was it was so amazing and it just it leaves a great mark uh, on me. Like you said, if you if you sit behind a computer and you don't know what your schedule is you know, you're just going to procrastinate or just, you know, you have to use all that willpower to get through that first task. But if you do that one night before, and if you create that habit, like I have my habit of scheduling my tasks one day before, when I sit behind my computer, I know what I'm going to do. And I don't need to think about it twice. I already have my task there and I just can start working. I, I haven't read that book. I've heard a few people suggest it, so I probably will pick it up. Oh, yeah. But I'll I make sure to... Yeah, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. But so, Moitsai, I really appreciate you coming on the show. But for all the listeners that want to hear more about you, what you've been working on, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, first of all, they can they can find me on Twitter and ask me questions because I'm very excited about getting questions. <laughs> so they can find me at Moitsai Mars, which is actually M-O-J-C-A-M-A-R-S. Um, and my um, my actually my um, webpage is superspicymedia.com. But I have provided your listeners with a few goodies um, and a 50% discount on my book and Whoa. some worksheets. Yeah. Um, nice. <laughs> so they can find that at superspicemedia.com slash agency advantage. Um, and it'll, everything will be waiting for them there. Awesome. And I'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes. So thanks again for all that. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, you're welcome. All right. It was great talking to you, Moitza. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. All right. See ya. Bye-bye. Talking with Moitza was a lot of fun. She crammed a ton of tips on social media in that last hour, but I want to leave you with the three that stood out most to me. First, despite all the great new tools out there that make this easy to do, you can't just automate your social media and call it a day. 
Moitza says that up to 95% of her social media activity is directly from her. And while she's a self-admitted control freak, the point still stands that you can't just queue up 100 tweets about your blog posts and get results. To get real results, you need to be social. You need to get out there and actually interact with people, and software can't do that for you. Second, having a human send your tweets and updates isn't enough if they still sound like they are written by a robot. You need to show your personality. As an agency owner, it can be difficult because many of you don't have a single face behind your business. There's a whole team. And that's fine, but you still want your followers to know that there are real people working inside of it and that you are getting results for other real people. Share those stories and don't use buttoned-up corporate jargon to do so. Talk the way you normally talk. And finally, don't be overly promotional. People go to social media to escape, so if you keep pitching them with offer after offer, you aren't going to break through to them. You need to build a relationship slowly with them by first demonstrating value before you ask for anything in return. Get them into your ecosystem so you can build trust and sell down the road. Don't rush the sale. Moitz was also kind enough to offer you guys slides and worksheets showing you exactly what to do to use social media to get more clients, as well as a 50% discount on a new book, the Facebook Ads Manual. These resources are seriously awesome, and they're free. So go check them out at superspicymedia.com slash agencyadvantage, or click the link below in the show notes. That's it for this week. And next week, I'm going to talk with Travis Northcutt, who will teach you how he used positioning in his agency to go from struggling to keep his head above water to thriving in any market. Talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.